Good morning. Welcome back to a new Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection and hope that you're having a great week and uh, looking forward to dealing with this text again today. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, the passage that we're looking at is First Chronicles 29 and we're reading verses 9 through 15 together. But today our focus will actually be on chapter 28 verses 1 through 6. So let's read uh, 29, 9, uh, 9 to 15 and then we will dig into um, the fourth part of the passage we're dealing with. 1 Corinthians 29, verse 9. Chronicles, sorry. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great, and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee, and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? What is my people? that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. We are strangers before thee, sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are a shadow, and there is none abiding. Now, to kind of remind you of the sequence of how we've been looking at this passage, uh, we've talked about the, the setting, and the fact is that David is um, presenting gifts that are going to be used for the construction of the temple. And as David is talking about this time, it's a time of great triumph. It's a time of, of tremendous gratitude and tremendous uh, giving of gifts. The people are extremely generous. And all of that generosity is starting with some kind of foundation. And the foundation is how the people view God. And so the focus of David's words are on the greatness of God his attributes that talk about his, his, his greatness and his power and his authority. And we talked about the fact that there is a side to this where we cannot fully comprehend God's greatness because of how great it is. He is called the greatness and the glory and the majesty. Then we looked at how David took that understanding of the greatness of God and then he compared himself to it, the brevity of his own, of his own life. And David recognized that he was in a position that he had all by the grace of God. The strength that he enjoyed was the strength that God gave him. Well, I'd like us to further focus in on the grace that is demonstrated in these verses by thinking about how David recounts the, the storyline as to why he is not the one building the temple as opposed to the one who is presenting all of these gifts so that his son can build it. We find this in chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. And I want to start in verse 2, because in verse 2 he says, I had in my heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and made ready for the building of the house. He recounts how his desire was that he could build a temple. He looked at how they were worshiping God, not in a structure like the temple, but instead in a tent, something that was temporary. And David said, this is a tragedy. Why are we worshiping God, the, the creator of everything, in a tent? And so it was his desire to build a temple. And initially, Nathan said, everything that's in your heart, you can do it. But then in verse 3, we see that David says, but 
God said to me, thou shalt not build an house for my name. God forbid it. And in verse three, later on, he explains why. He says, you've been a man of war and have shed blood. Now, he makes a distinction between being a man of war and shedding blood. Obviously, a man of war would be someone who has shed blood. He's focusing on something very particular. And I think what he is focusing in on, especially because this is Nathan the prophet, the one who had to confront David, he is emphasizing the fact that David shed innocent blood. He murdered Uriah the Hittite because he took Uriah's wife. In fact, the most tragic, the, the greatest injustice, abuse of power in David's life is the story of the sin that he had against Bathsheba and her husband. And so this is one of the reasons that God said, you may not build the temple. And he then goes on in verse four, it says, how be it the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my fathers to be king over Israel forever. He says at the same time that God told me I could not build the temple, he told me of something that I could do or something that I would do. I would be a part of an eternal, an, an, an eternal kingship. And so the son of David is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even though David was forbidden to build the temple, God said, I'm going to actually build you a house. You are going to have an offspring down the road through your lineage who is going to be a part of this story of redemption. He is the Messiah. And so Jesus's lineage through both Mary, where his humanity comes from, and through Joseph, who is not his father, but was his guardian, both of these individuals, you would trace the lineage back to David. But then the next statement is very important. It says, and of all my sons, verse five, he chose Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord for over Israel. He said, I had many children, many sons who could have sat on this throne, but of all of them, the one that God chose was Solomon. You say, well, why does that matter? Well, Solomon, her, his mother was Bathsheba. And what this shows you is that even though David sinned grievously and David experienced the consequences for his sin, and those consequences really troubled his family the rest of his days, God still was very gracious to David and gracious to Bathsheba. And when that union produced a child, Solomon, God chose out of all of the children that that would be the one that he would show this very special and particular love to. He would choose him to be the king that would follow David. And he talks about how Solomon was someone very dear to God. This is all a demonstration of God's grace. And he talks about this in verse six. He says, Solomon, thy son, he will build my house and my courts. I've chosen him to be my son. I will be his father. Now, this is God speaking to David about the love that he's going to have for Solomon. And so when David comes to the end of this time where he has been gathering all these materials together, David exhorts his son. He says, 
keep the commandments of the Lord and seek him. He says, search for him with a perfect heart. Take heed because he has chosen you to build a house. Be strong, do it, be strong and of a good courage. David exhorts him to do the work that God has appointed him to. And David is encouraging his son because he recognizes the great privilege that it is to do this. This is something that David himself had desired to do. But I really wanna zero in on two things. The fact that David's son Solomon was able to do what he did was the result of two factors. The first factor and the most prominent factor is the grace of God. But the second factor is that David was willing to live with passion as a recipient of that grace. And so he was gonna pour his life into what God allowed him to do. So while David's words focus on the greatness of God in his nature, it really pressed him to express these things and to do what he did was his understanding of the goodness of God you know, his words talk about the transcendence of God and the omniscience of God and the omnipotence of God, the immutability of God. But he is writing these words because he understands the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God and the patience of God and the faithfulness of God and God's grace. David loved God because God had been so personally kind to him and he understood the goodness of God in the context of real life living. It wasn't just a sterile knowledge of God that he, he, he could like parse out words. David understood God's goodness personally. And so we see that God's grace is really the crowning piece of this entire passage of scripture, because you will not understand what is going on without realizing how gracious God has been. And then though, I mentioned again, David was willing to live with passion as a recipient of the grace. He acknowledges sin. Psalm 51 talks about this. He experienced the sweet restoration of God and his forgiveness and restored to a communion with him. Um, he accepted the consequences of his actions. And he was very, very thankful for God's grace. He just expresses it over and over and over again, especially in the text in front of us. But really, we see it in other passages that talk about David's love for God after the fact that he'd experienced this grace. And he, he poured his heart into what God allowed him to do. And so what we see is that rather than David being ungrateful and, and saying, why am I not permitted to do this? David is thankful for whatever God's given him, and he's going to enjoy it richly. He enjoyed the grace of God. And so I want to leave you with this very simple thought this morning. The thought is, in the same way that David was able to experience these rich blessings because of the grace of God and because he was willing to accept what God gave him and be grateful for it, we need to recognize that the, the things that we enjoy are in the same pattern. We enjoy the good things of life by the grace of God, and we must learn to live passionately as recipients of that grace. And so, Lord willing, tomorrow we're going to close out our study by focusing in on how to apply it. And so we've kind of laid the foundation. I hope that you'll join us again tomorrow as we look at that final piece. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day. I hope that you'll think often about these things and perhaps share this so someone else can be encouraged by it as well. Have a blessed morning. We'll talk later. Bye now.